Welcome to the Quick Talk Podcast with Joshua Latimer, where we discuss business, life, family, faith, struggle, fire, pain, and ultimately winning. It's time to take massive action. Look, I, I can't work harder on your life or business than you do. It's ultimately all on you. You know, God created all the food the birds would ever need, but he doesn't put it in their nest. You've got to go get it. 10 out of 10 people die. So how about doing something today that actually matters while you still can? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Quick Talk Podcast. Hope you guys are getting ready for an awesome weekend. Um, Today and Saturday and Sunday, the next three days, I'm going to be playing you uh, a really, really, really popular webinar series that I did uh, like two and a half years ago, I think. Uh, But it's absolutely applicable and relevant now. Many people have paid hundreds of dollars just to get copies of these webinars. and uh, But it's been out there quite a while, and I thought it'd be kind of a cool special treat. Uh, they're long, okay? So, <laughs> so you know, I have two two camps of people with the podcast. We got the people that like the, like, the seven-minute, power-packed, super epic, motivational-type podcast, and then we got a whole other group of people that like the really long, deep teaching ones, you know? Uh, so I try to do a little bit of both. Uh, so for the next three podcasts, they'll be long, but I promise you uh, they're packed full of information. Now, these are webinars, and you're only going to hear the audio. So, you know, obviously there's going to be parts of it that are maybe a little dated. Like I think uh, we gave away some bonus documents or something when we did the webinar. I don't have those available to give you <laughs> right now because it's a couple years ago. Uh, or I might reference an image on the slide or we'll laugh at something that's on the screen. You won't be able to see it, uh, but it doesn't matter. You guys are pretty smart. And you can read between the lines. And what it is, it's called the Epic Webinar Series. And uh, this was a series of three webinars I did with my friend Chris Lambernini's. He's been on the show before. He had a residential cleaning company in New Jersey. He sold it um, like I did with mine, uh, but his was bigger than mine by a lot. They did, you know, two, three, sometimes I think close to 400000 a month. I don't know, maybe it was three something a month. Uh, but between his business and my business, we we're pushing a half a million dollars a month in revenue certain months of the year. And we, we both break down the exact process on how to automate, how to grow, and how to build a sellable company. So part one is all about automate. I'll teach you how to build systems and a whole bunch of stuff. It's about an hour long. Uh, the one that will go out tomorrow is going to teach you how to grow your company. Talk about all the different things you need to look at and consider with business growth. And then the third part will be how to build a sellable company, why you should do it that way, why it matters, and kind of how all that works. So this is like really high-level stuff. I hope you enjoy it. I'm sure that you will. And I will see you guys on Monday. Hey, everybody. Thank you for hanging out with us today. My name is Joshua Latimer coming to you from beautiful Costa Rica in the tropics. I got monkeys in my backyard, and that's pretty cool. I got to admit, that is cool. And uh, I'm joined today for the epic webinar by Chris Lambernini. all the way up in Vernon, New Jersey. And we have one mission today. We want to teach you how exactly to automate, grow, and eventually sell your small business and I hope we accomplish that today. Chris, we've worked our butts off. I've prepared everything I can think of to prepare. How are you doing? Thanks for joining Josh, us. Josh, I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's a beautiful day here in Vernon, New Jersey. 
excited to get this going. All right. Well, let's hop right into it and not have uh, any fluff or wasted time. Let's start out with our claims, what you're going to get on this webinar or what we hope that you'll get, what we're trying to provide you. Uh, we have very specific value that we're trying to deliver to you guys. We want you to learn exactly how to automate your business. That's simple. We want you to learn how to triple your revenue in 24 months or less. We want to get you able to learn how to build a real-life sellable business, right? And you're saying, wait, I don't want to sell my business. Well, yes, you do. Well, at least you want to have a business that you could sell. And we'll get more into that later. We want you to learn how to stop feeling like things are out of control and like you're a firefighter inside your business going from issue to issue to issue. And we want to help you learn how to stop being a slave to your small business. Uh, One of the first things you should realize before we hop totally into it is you very well may not want to sell your business now or ever, but the time is going to come, so you may as well set it up like you're going to sell it from the very beginning. Absolutely, and I hope we can get more into depth on that because I get a lot of pushback from guys, Chris, actually, when I talk to them or even when I get hired to do business consulting. Um, it's like they're freaked out by the concept of having a sellable business because they feel like that means they have to sell it. Well, that doesn't mean you have to sell it. It just means that you have a real asset that's worth money to an investor or a future buyer. And that's better for you and your family and, and your business. Yeah. If, you, if you're going to take all the time it takes to build a great business, you may as well just take a few extra steps to structure it just right and have things tweaked. So, if and when the day comes, you're ready to rock and get the most money for yep. your sale. Yep, exactly. And guys, we got we got some bonuses for you too. We're not just doing the webinar. We're going above that. We, we're going to give you some giveaways. We have some giveaways. We're, you're going to get some copies of the exact systems that Chris and me both used. We both founded from scratch cleaning businesses, grew them, and then sold them. We exited. We went through the whole cycle. So we want to share that insight and what we learned along the way with you. Um, you're also going to learn the exact growth strategies that we use to make our businesses explode. We didn't just have moderate growth. We had huge growth year over year over year. And there's, it's, not, um, it's not magic. It's just understanding systems. We want you guys to learn the true difference between being self-employed and a real business owner. And make no mistake, there is a difference. And of course, with Chris, he hates that I'm going to say this, but you're going to get never before heard insights from one of the biggest leaders in the cleaning industry. Chris lays low. He's kind of behind the scenes, but he's a very sharp guy. and He's accomplished some really, really big things in our space. So let's let's dive into it. Okay, so I'm going to do a meet Chris slide here. <laughs> so first of all, Chris founded a cleaning company in New Jersey, right? It was called All, all County Window Cleaning. Started with nothing and took it to over 50 employees. They're regularly doing... $300,000 a month cleaning stuff. Wrap your head around that number. I mean, sure, there might be some bigger businesses out there somewhere, but 99% of all the cleaning companies out there don't do that kind of revenue. And it's, uh, it's no accident that it happened. But he didn't stop there. He also founded the largest online window cleaning forum in the world. You wouldn't believe it, but there's like 25, 30, I think there's 30,000 members now. When I made this slide, maybe it was 25,000. I've been working on this for several months, but everybody's on this forum. Chris founded it. He built an online community, right? And he also founded two trade associations, which are the largest trade associations for cleaning contractors in window cleaning and pressure cleaning. One's called the WCRA. One's called the PWRA. Um, and we'll talk about that as well later. His top skills are web businesses, system building, marketing for sure. He's definitely a marketer and, and rapid growth. 
Chris? Did I miss anything on the Meet Chris slide? No, that pretty much covers it. The only other main businesses we operate on a day-to-day basis is a shopwindowcleaningresource.com. It's one of the United States' premier distribution businesses for uh, window cleaning supplies and equipment. And uh, just recently, we've launched a new project over the past three years, the Huge Convention. It's grown to be our industry's largest cleaning show, and uh, we're pretty proud about that. Yeah, and the key word here is last three years. You took something that didn't exist, that no one attended, and in three whacks at it, boom, 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 it's by far the biggest one. And it, it's huge. Like, it's unbelievable. I didn't even know there was that many pressure cleaners <laughs> in the country or window cleaners. There's there's a ton of them. So, yeah, let's hack into your brain here and start learning some stuff, Chris. A little bit about me, um, guys, if you didn't know, is I'm an entrepreneur. I just sold a cleaning business uh, in Michigan. And moved to Costa Rica with my family. I have four kids. I also have a software company I started uh, called SendGym.com. And SendGym helps small businesses automate their customer follow-up after a sale. It does all kinds of cool stuff. We'll talk about that later. And uh, we have close to 1,500 other businesses using that software right now. I'm also the founder of WindowWealth.com. It's a small business training platform online, just basically helping unpack how I built and sold and scaled and grew my business and, and, and all of the things I've learned along the way and how you can apply it to your service business as well. My top skills, I would say, is system building. I'm big on leadership development, being a coach and a leader rather than a manager. Uh, I do some business training consulting and finance. I used to be a banker before I started my cleaning company, so I love numbers. So let's start with what is your why? Chris, I just want to ask you straight out, what was your why when you started your cleaning company? I wanted to be able to get up every day, not put a suit on, and pretty much just do whatever I felt like doing that day. I didn't want to be constrained for the rest of my life to a schedule at a certain job. I wanted to get up and work on whatever I was currently feeling passionate about, uh, whatever had just recently piqued my interest, and this was kind of the only way to do it. Yeah. Well, my why was my wife was pregnant. I had a good job at a bank. I was a personal banker. I helped people open accounts, get loans, business line of credits. I helped with uh, investments. I had my securities licenses. I did a variety of things. Um, but I, I wanted to die. <laughs> like I, I hated my cubicle. I hated that little tie that was choking. It was like slowly choking me out, like sucking the life out of me. And when my wife got pregnant, I completely panicked and was like, Okay, you know, it's now or never. Either I do this for real and take it serious and build a business or I'm going to get stuck in this cubicle for like 25 years. And I see it all around me. No one in my family is an entrepreneur and they all had jobs that they um, didn't like. And I didn't want that. I, I, like, I almost had this hyperventilation kind of moment uh, where my back was against the wall. And so my why was to escape the cubicle and have time freedom like what you described. I'm glad you were able to do that. The cubicle is a death sentence, man. Oh, God. I mean, the funny thing is, is uh, I think year five or six in my cleaning business, we actually, when we moved into a nice big office, I had like six or eight cubicles installed. In one of- <laughs> <laughs> but there's a huge difference because I own those cubicles and the people in them are part of my team and I didn't have to be, you know, chained to it, you know. Uh, and that's a huge difference. I think people always have a why when they start their business, but... They get away from it without realizing it, and then they're they're not chained to a cubicle, but they're chained to their new business, which was supposed to save them from their cubicle, but now they're a slave to that. What's up with that, man? 
Yeah, you know, people start businesses. And usually when someone starts a business, they start it to do something they liked. There was some aspect of what they were previously doing. Take window cleaning. Somebody decides to go out on their own. They enjoy window cleaning. They started that so they could clean windows, but not necessarily start a business. And the business aspect of it over time quickly becomes way more important than the actual act of the labor of whatever business it is. Yeah, and no one's there to show you that in the beginning. And I, a lot of guys, they're just self-employed, and they think they're a business owner. And that's not a disrespectful comment at all. People work hard, and there's nothing wrong with being self-employed. But let me ask you this. Do you want your business to be an asset to you and your family long-term, or do you want to be a slave to your business? Well, most people don't want to be a slave, but the, the fact of the matter is, is when you're self-employed, you kind of are, right? A ringing phone has to be answered, and an unresponded to email has to be returned, and when it's just you and you're just you know, starting to have a little success, but you have no automation built in your business, you kind of are a slave to it. And so our job is to teach you how to break out of that and, and become a real business owner. All right, cool. So let's begin with the end of mind. Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, beginning with the end in mind. Before you start your business, preferably, or if you already have, that's fine, let's visualize and daydream for 10 seconds about where are we trying to go? What is the, defi- the destination? You know, wh- What is the end game? What do you want to happen when it's all done, when all the smoke clears and you've accomplished everything you wanted out of your business? What does that day look like for you? Because that's the starting point, right? And from that point, we work backwards and we're going to reverse engineer a realistic plan for you to get there. And it's not going to take a month or six months. It's going to take years of systematic work. Um, but it's, it's not complicated to the point where most people can't achieve it. So what is your why? Be specific. Begin with the end in mind. And then after you're even specific, be even more specific. The more specific you are, the more likely it is to happen exactly how you want it to. That's a great insight, and that's very true. We don't need to have goals that are really open-ended and broad and painted with a wide brush. You know, Use a sniper rifle, aim at what you want, and then let's go get it. Uh, let me ask you guys another question here. Who serves who? Do you serve your business, or does your business serve you? This is a pretty simple slide here on the webinar, but it's a profound thing. You know, when the Do you have to do stuff in your business or else the wheels fall off? Or does the business function with the wheels securely fastened to it while you're on a beach on vacation for two weeks, right? There's a major difference. Yeah, and the ultimate test is after that month-long vacation and you return back to your business, is it in a better condition than you left it? Ooh, see, now that's that's a good one because the goal of automation and systematizing your business isn't to just duct tape the thing together, right? It's to make it thrive and grow and make more money completely without you or with minimal time from you. Yeah. All right, cool. Okay, so here, guys, before we dive into some of the specifics, why are you watching this right now? You're on a computer somewhere or on a phone or something. You're watching this webinar. You're, you want to get something from this. You you need some. There's some sort of need, unless you're just a super business nerd and this is your idea of fun, what are you hoping that we teach you? Like, why are you here, right? And let me, let me ask you the last question here and we'll dive into some stuff. 
what is the number one thing that needs help in your business right now? What do you need the most help with right now inside your business? Ask yourself that question. Rome wasn't built in a day, but maybe we can identify one or two small areas and you can start to visualize how to build systems in that area for your business as you move through the webinar with us. Okay, so Chris, let's define automation. I define it as a task handled without you. <laughs> and that's probably an overly sim oversimplification, but would you define automation the same way? When I think about automation, really, I try to, I try to automate anything that repeats an ongoing, recurring task within your business. And that, that's typically where I start. I look at the stuff that gets done on a regular, regular, regular basis, and it needs to happen right. essentially the same way each time you do it. And that, that's, a, that's a great place to start. Right. So if you guys haven't got a pen and paper yet, this would be a great time to get one. There's going to be a lot of note-taking opportunities, a lot of little one-liners and nuggets throughout the webinar that will help you. And you should write them down and document them so you can circle back. But task handled without you, that's one way to look at automation. Chris's way to look at it is identify a reoccurring procedure, task, or thing in your business, something that happens over and over again, and figure out a way to make it still happen without you touching it, right? Is that about right, Chris? Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. So, defining a system. Okay, we defined automation. Let's define a system. A simple, teachable, repeat process. So, it's, it's a way of doing things the same every time. It's, it's a way to do a task the same way every time that you could teach to a 15-year-old kid. Like... I think one of the misconceptions with systems is that you you have to be some sort of like engineer who writes like technical papers or something to build a system for your business. That is so far from what we do here in service businesses. Like so far. And it does not have to be complex. Yeah, systems can be super duper basic. I like to try to start with identifying a lot of the common tasks that get over, get done over and over and over in the business and you know, start there. Just identify them. And they can be really, really simple. Ultimately, it boils down to they're just basically a system of steps that you want followed in a certain order to achieve a certain goal. And you don't need to get crazy with it. There's softwares you can get to make systems or you can do it in something as simple as Google Docs, which is completely free. Right, exactly. I, some of our systems are two sentences. You know, but guess what? It's a it's a thing checked off the list. It's a it's a, a clear directive to everybody that works inside the business of how that one thing is handled. No, there's no question. There's no gray area. Everybody knows that if this happens, boom, those two sentences go into action. <laughs> I have yeah. I have two two cool examples for systems. One is McDonald's. You go into McDonald's and it's there's zit faced fifteen year olds everywhere. <laughs> they're, they're running the entire thing. It's incredible, right? There's not an adult to be found a lot of times. Or there is one, but they're just kind of, they're outnumbered 10 to 1 by 15-year-olds. The point is, is that McDonald's is really the ultimate system because they automate even the most basic things. Like the thing that really dropped my jaw with McDonald's was when they automated the, the soda pouring machine. Like, you get you get your soda yourself a lot of times, but if they get it for you behind the counter, they don't even put the soda in the cup. They actually just put the cup in a conveyor belt, 
push a button and the thing like drives down a track, goes to the right soda, and then it knows how big the cup is and it fills it up exactly perfectly. And it's like they probably spent a million bucks figuring out how to build a, a soda cup conveyor system, right? But that might save a few seconds for every transaction or something, right? So the point is, is you know, automate everything, but it doesn't have to be complex, and and make it so you can teach all of your systems to a 15 year old kid because. If it's not teachable, it's probably not very scalable. Yeah. You know, one, one of the greatest enemies of small businesses is inconsistency. Eh, sometimes we'll do it this way. Sometimes we'll do it that way. And that delivers a really bad message to both your customers and your employees. But if you have a clear-cut, defined, simple system in place, you can eliminate that inconsistency almost totally. Yes, I used to tell my crews, you guys are a Big Mac. And I, tr- sorry for all like McDonald's references. I don't even like McDonald's, right? It's like, it's horrible, but I s- still eat it out of ne- necessity when traveling sometimes. But what I meant when I told them they had to be a Big Mac was that when you show up to do a job, the way that you engage the customer, we called that touch one for a crew leader, he had a script he read to the homeowner while the assistant unloaded the truck. He went through certain things. The way he cleaned and, and engaged the property to do the service was specific and predefined. And then he'd do a midpoint touch. And then at the end, he'd do a third touch where he would ask for referrals and do some other stuff. But the point is, is that I called them a Big Mac because when that customer calls two years later, they, they need to get an identical product regardless of which crew shows up. Like It needs to be clean, consistent, and just, and just strong in that way. <clears throat> no. Over the years in my service businesses, reviewing complaints, a lot of times complaints that came in were, I don't want to say almost ridiculous, but it really shows how people think because they would say everything turned out fine, but it wasn't quite the same as it was done last time. And I don't necessarily know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I just noticed it was different and it didn't sit well with me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't sit well with any of us. If we go to a business and we have a great experience and then we go back to the business and things are handled totally differently, there's no way that you're walking away from that saying, oh, that was awesome. I mean, it makes you feel weird, right? Yeah. And here's my last system example. It's the toilet paper example, okay? So our office, we had like 20 plus people. Your company had 50 plus people. And... (laughs) <laughs> at the end of the day, the crews all come in, things are crazy, they're in there getting coffee, they're doing their thing, and we run out of toilet paper, right? And so the crew guy is freaking out. Well, that that was actually a system that we built, right? So we delegated that task to the office manager, and his job was to make sure we never ran out of toilet paper. But we didn't leave it there, we made it more specific. So every Tuesday, or whatever day it was, I honestly don't remember, but every Tuesday he would check the supply closet, and if there was less than four rolls of toilet paper, paper he knew to at that moment to buy toilet paper that that was what needed to happen if there's five rolls he's fine next tuesday he'll check it but the point is is that there was never any issue with that anymore if we deployed a simple system and here's the deal systems are what create the automation right so we defined automation uh, and we defined what a system is and systems equal automation and guess what automation means it means you're on vacation and you still have an income 
That's a powerful and incredible and crazy thing that we, we take for granted. And a lot of you guys are really, really close to that being possible. You might only be a few months or, or one year away from that being possible if you start acting now and get moving on this stuff. So, okay, who cares about this? Why does it matter? And what can be automated? Well, let's start with what can be automated. I look at my company as divisions, departments. I believe every service business, I call it the business triangle, has three core departments. I don't care if you're a carpet cleaner, a lawn guy, a, it doesn't matter. Any home service provider. You got your sales, service, and operations, okay? And Chris, I know that you have more divisions than yours. You had marketing, and go ahead and break down how you viewed divisionally yeah, your business. We, we would try to pigeonhole everything down to one of these five categories, and that would be uh, finance, operations, marketing, management, and product. Right. And that's really, really good. That's a more detailed way than, than I had handled it. But here's the thing. You guys can make this your own. It doesn't have to be exactly like we did it. Um, but the important thing is that you do it. Do something, right? Be a person of action and start doing this stuff. And the reason we start here, what can be automated, is we need to have a bird's eye view. And we need to say, okay, okay, the toilet paper example, right? That's a two-sentence system. You know, Every Tuesday, check the supply closet. If there's less than four, buy toilet paper, put it in the supply closet, right? <laughs> Super simple. Um, well, that falls in the operation division, right? And then inside of operations, we have you know all kinds of subcategories. But I just want to help you guys visualize that. Let's talk about some real-life use cases real quick, okay? So we've got a pressure washing company, a lawn care company, and a window cleaning company home service, right? So sales, service, operations are the three uh, areas. Okay, okay, let's keep moving here. My slides are being weird. Okay, let's look at pressure washing first. So what I want you to see here is that there's purple, green, and yellow stars. And the big star means that's the primary division that that system would fall under. And then the little star means that's it could also be applicable to that division. So before everybody's confused, let me just say this. With a pressure washing company, let's say that Bob, the pressure washer, wants to implement a quality control system. He's getting a lot of callbacks. People are complaining, you know, you washed my house or you did my siding or my deck or washed my driveway, but, you know, it wasn't really good. It wasn't as good as last time. So he says, you know what, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to build something to make sure we have quality control. So he builds out a system, okay? And th where does that system fall? Well, it, so it falls under the service department. That's why it's the blue star, the service department. But I have a little yellow star and a little green star too because really quality control, maybe it can go farther than just service. You could have it fall into the operations and sales too, right? Maybe you have another system for quality control that's built to make sure the sales guy is showing up on time and saying the right things and providing a high level of... Um, sales service, right? So that's my point, is that you can have a system that is tweaked for different areas of your company. So follow-up, follow-up system. That's a sales department thing, right? But it can totally also be operations, right? Because your office manager, or maybe that's just you right now, you, you're going to follow up after a sale, maybe from your office. Do a follow-up phone call. Make sure they're happy and that they love you and that they'll share your company on Facebook. Well, that could be a sales department and an operations department. So hopefully you get the point. I don't want to be long-winded, but you could build a get new leads, get more referrals, scripting. You're going to need to build scripts inside of all your departments in accounting. Do you have anything to add to that? Was that totally confusing? 
it, it, you know, it was a lot of information. Yeah. If I could just step back for a second. Let's do it. I think, um, I think you need to come up with a way to identify what systems you need in your business and which ones you should work on first. They say basically, they, air quotes, that every business has seven major systems within it that makes things happen that are core and essential to them. I don't know what those are because it's different for every business. Um, The first step is really, really identifying which ones you should work on first. And one of the main ways to do that is just start identifying things that happen in your business and then start prioritizing them uh, by order of which ones are currently failing, giving you the most problems, the most headaches, the most customer complaints, the most employee problems, and work on those ones that are giving you a lot of friction first. Free up your time from the ones that are really really sucking energy and causing big potential problems within your business. Yep. Like, for example, let's say that you're constantly getting phone calls while you're on a ladder. You're a one-man show or maybe you got a helper or two, but you can't even do your job because you're constantly fielding phone calls, right? That would be a reoccurring problem, right? It's not good for the customer to talk to you when you're on a ladder. It's not good for you to talk to the customer when you're on a ladder. It totally sucks every way coming and going, and it's completely fixable. It's, th- there's no reason that you can't think of a way to overcome that. Maybe you hire an answering service or you hire a virtual assistant or whatever. There, there could be 10 different ways. But that could be one simple example of a fire that you're putting out all the time that would go under maybe the operations category. Then you can start to build a simple system for it. But here's the real key. Okay, So we looked at pressure washing. But now I'm going to transition over to lawn care, right? And I want you to see something very interesting. All the sample systems I put in here are exactly the same. Quality control, follow-up, get new leads, get more referrals, scripting and accounting. And the last example is window cleaning, and it's the same thing. So this is kind of like a trick slide. The point being this, no matter what type of business you have, it needs some sort of quality control measure. It needs a specific systemized way to follow up with people after you're done doing work for them. You need a specific systemized way to get new leads and grow your business. You need a specific systemized way to get more referrals. You need to be answering the phone and talking to people in a specific systemized way, which would be your scripting and your accounting all needs to be handled the same way every time. So there's certain things that really are universal in in any service business. Yeah, so, so much of it. Uh, like in a service business, probably 60 to 70% of systems created could be shared throughout other industries. You know, window cleaning, pressure washing, lawn care, uh, pesticide guys, pool cleaners. There's a lot of things they share and that are very similar. Right. Totally agree. And that's really the purpose of these slides is I'm not trying to confuse you. We are going to break down how to actually build a system the five steps that I use to do it. Uh, So we'll get to that in a minute, but I want you guys to understand that. Visualize your company as three different departments or five departments or however many departments you need to to do it. Uh, And then start identifying the low-hanging fruit, like the simple, obvious things that need to be worked on, and then assign those things to a department to start out with. So hopefully that made sense uh, because all these businesses have the same infrastructure and so does yours. So how do you start, right? Let's get to it. How do you actually do this? That's the big question. Well, the good news is, is I've broken this down into basically five 
easy steps so that you can systemize your business. Step one, create a mind map. Mind maps are like the greatest software invention ever, right? Yeah, totally amazing. I use a a program called MindMeister, and uh, if I could buy a lifetime subscription to it, I would. I love it so much. Pretty much everything I do and everything I work on starts there. It lets you get a little thought out of your head and then branch off yes. from there. There's so many times when I have all these ideas in my head, but they're not categorized in any logical way at all. I just I know there's important stuff. I can't. I just need to get it out, get it out of my head. So I use MindNode because I'm a Mac user, and MindNode is native to Mac. Um, but they also MindMeister is good because it's web-based, and you can access it from any device. And I have a lot of friends that use that too. So I could care less which one you use, guys. The point is, is get the stuff in your brain into a mind map as fast as possible. And then you can clean it up and, and make it look pretty later. Uh, but step one, create a mind map. And one of the really cool things about mind mapping is not only does it get all the ideas out of your head, but it lets you see which ideas or systems you have in your business that touch each other and are interconnected. And until you see them all on a, on a big screen like that, it's really hard to piece it together. Yeah, I thought it'd be cool to throw this slide in because this is the actual mind map that I used to build this entire three-part webinar series. Uh, it's pretty massive. You could see on the screen before um, <laughs> all those little nodes, right? And each one of those little nodes became a slide or an element in the slides in this very presentation. So mind maps are really critical to getting organized and getting your thoughts kind of clear. So hopefully you guys can see that okay on the, on the webinar. Um, but step two, what's step two? Convert to plain text. I don't know what else to call it, but my, my mind map software allows me to take that, that tree, that web, the mind map, and it can export into a bullet-pointed list like you see on the screen right now. And to me, that's step two, because now I can see it in more of a usable format where I can start to add more sentences and paragraphs and content around each little idea. And step three, guys, is to polish and formalize. So, you know, I use Pages, but you can use Microsoft Word. You can use Google Docs. Probably best to use some sort of cloud-based something so that everyone will have access to your system when you're done. Um, so, but what, what Polish and Formalize is, is you take and you build out around your mind-mapped bullet point the system itself, okay? And it's, this isn't even a um, related example. This is something I use for my boot camp videos here. But you're going to have a document that basically looks like this. You're going to have, you know, some paragraphs. Step four is to deploy and execute inside your company. And this is actually where I'd say 90% of the people never do. A lot of people will watch webinars. A lot of people will take notes. A lot of people will create a Google Doc and throw some stuff down. But they never follow through deploying it. Howard Partridge, I did a, a podcast interview with him, and he said, his biggest reason people fail in his experience is he called it FTI, failure to implement. That's the same thing as is deploying and executing. I think a lot of people get hung up here because, you know, they've had a couple people, two, three, four people working for them for a couple years, just kind of, you know, training them through the tribal method and sort of whatever happens throughout the day happens. And then all of a sudden, after three or four years, uh, they see all these systems come in and these procedures come in and 
they immediately have to do all this new stuff and do it a certain way. And there can be a lot of friction from existing people in the business. And I think if you get them involved a little bit in the process and help them create the system based off their uh, on the front lines knowledge, it can go a lot smoother. Yeah, that's a really fair point. And that happened to me um, because we shot from the hip early on and got more and more refined as we moved forward. But there is one year in particular where I just decided to go completely all in into systemizing. And it was like a shock to the system of all of our team members because they're used to doing things a certain way. And I'm turning that completely on its head. And and I get it. I mean, I see their perspective. That if they feel like it's crazy, they don't see the whole picture, right? But our job as entrepreneurs is to see the whole picture, to begin with the end of mind, and, and then to make it happen. But you're right. That, that can be a hard thing. That's why I think it's important. To have good leadership and to not just make people do stuff, but describe the story to them. Where, where do they get a seat at the table? How is this going to help them reach their goals? How is this going to help them reach their dreams, right? And then let them participate in the process. Step five for creating a system after deploying and executing is to iterate and optimize. And this is where I would get my team involved, right? So I would basically sell them on the idea of, look, at here's where we're going, guys. Here's where we are today. Here's how we're going to get there, right? And we're going to systemize things. We're going to be a Big Mac. We're going to be a consistent, steady, stable product to our clients. We're going to do things the same way every time. And so even though that might be a little bit hard to buy in, this is where they love to get involved. Your team is going to love to give their two cents and to get involved in the system creating process. So after you deploy a system, you start trying a new thing. Maybe you'll find out it, it's not quite right. You need to tweak it. You need to pivot a little bit. So to iterate and optimize your system, you need to gather feedback from basically four sources. Your team, you need to include them. Your customers, you need to be surveying and talking and listening to them. Your numbers themselves, your metrics, and your gut, right? So I call those feedback loops. But your system is like, it's a living, breathing document. It doesn't... Um, it isn't set in stone like the Ten Commandments, you know, on the tablets. Like you, you create it and you just got to do it no matter if it doesn't make sense or not. You, you, I've thrown away entire systems. I'm sure you have too, Chris. Totally. And, you know, the one constant with all systems is they're going to change. So you really need some scheduled time quarterly. Review all the systems. Make sure they're all relevant. What's changed? What hasn't changed? What can we scrap completely? What needs to be completely revamped? Because what worked on paper two or three months ago could just be totally outdated in a couple months. Absolutely. I completely agree. I've burnt entire complex week-long building system i burned them to the ground because once we deployed it we realized it just didn't make sense or it was redundant or whatever but you need to be circling back and spit shining everything in your business even the toilet paper ordering system (laughs) like there might be a better way to do it right like maybe i find out that you can order toilet paper online and they'll deliver it to your office right so when, once that new information reveals itself, I got to circle back and, and, and iterate and optimize that toilet paper ordering system and make it even quicker and better, right? Uh, so yeah. the, the point, <laughs> hopefully the point's not lost on a dumb example. Um, Zoom- the, the, very, the very first system I ever made was um, how I wanted coffee made in the morning in the office because sometimes I would go there and the coffee would be made and sometimes I would go there and there'd be no coffee. And it drove me absolutely crazy. (laughs) I don't care if you don't make coffee, but you should not make coffee every day because I come in expecting it. Right, right. 
That's a good example. It can be lots of little things that I think guys overlook. Uh, it can be fun to do systems too. I mean, a system like the coffee thing, you can write that in 10 minutes, have one meeting, and boom, you get fresh coffee for the rest of your life. I mean, that's a pretty big return on investment. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a great starting point. It's simple. Start with simple stuff. That is easy to write out, and the rest will flow through there. Um, if I could just touch back real quick yeah, on the previous slide, one other I would almost include like a 2.5 in there. After you identify the systems, I mentioned before, it's really, really, really important to prioritize them. Um, of which ones you're going to do first. Because the fact of the matter is, you couldn't, in a two-year period, write all the systems that occur in your business. There's so many of them. And you don't really realize how many of them there are until you start writing them down. And I had said that one way to decide which way to prioritize those systems is based on uh, you know, friction, what's causing you the most problems. Another way to look at it that's really worth considering is uh, lay out all the systems and then in another column, put down uh, the lowest hourly rate you could do some, you could hire somebody to do that system, sort that a little bit and see how many uh, $8 an hour jobs you as the owner are doing where you know you could kick that off to somebody and be focusing on the high level stuff. Oh, that is so good. I hope people are writing that down. That is really 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 good. I think people ab- abandon this whole process of systemizing because it's just totally overwhelming. They just freak out. They're like, "I I can't even deal with this right now. I got to get up tomorrow and go put out more fires and get deal with mad customers and I can't even think about how to start doing this in my business." So, it they just kind of it's stressful, right? But what you just said makes it really, really simple. Identify the, the just the obvious ones. I call that the low-hanging fruit, just the easy ones. So you don't need to jump up to grab the fruit. It's just right in front of your face. Write simple systems for those and then prioritize them by how ch- expensive it is to ma- pay someone else to do it. Like, for example, accounting, that might cost more, right, to hire a high-level accountant. I don't know how much accountants cost, 40 50 bucks an hour, uh, maybe more, 100 if it's a really good one. So maybe you do that yourself in the beginning still, but you shouldn't be the toilet paper orderer, right? Because you can have someone do that for minimum wage all day long, right? And then you can <laughs> – so you would know that that would be one to delegate first. Is that your point? That That is totally my point. And just one further thought on top of that, uh, if you're going to do it, make the commitment to crank out X number of them a week. I, for many years, just got up 30 minutes early and Monday through Friday, I just sat down, my coffee, wrote one real quick before I hopped on the exercise bike and it was done and I felt great about it. Just get up half an hour early. It doesn't, it doesn't take that much to crank them out. Yep. Just start small, guys. It's, it's not one big change that's going to give you the lifestyle you've always wanted. It's not one big change that's going to make you be able to sell your business and move to a foreign country or sell your business and live the lifestyle you've wanted. It's a whole bunch. It's years worth of little things all added up. It's, it's not a one-time, one-event thing. It's really not. Okay, so most business owners live on a stepladder. We need to zoom out though and we need to get off the stepladder, right? You guys uh, out there are working hard, you're tr- providing for your family, you're, you got this big goal, this big vision, but I can guarantee you it's gonna be almost impossible 
to scale your business and get the lifestyle that you've wanted originally if you're stuck on a stepladder, right? You got to get a different perspective. You need to be in a hot air balloon rather than a stepladder. But most people are firefighters and they're just, all they can see, Chris, is that ringing phone or that angry customer or that, that, that bounce check or that employee that showed up late. They're buried in issues. And these are real issues. They're, they're serious. They need to be dealt with. They're stressful. And I, I'm not downplaying them at all. But they, they're stuck in that perspective at all times, seven days a week, constantly. And they need to make time to kind of zoom out and get a bird's eye view. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really, really, really easy to get stuck in the trenches. You know, you're going through the daily grind each day. I need to get this stuff done to stay in business. And I need I need to do this stuff right now to keep work on the schedule tomorrow. And it's really, 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 really hard to get out of that mode. Every once in a while, you'll you'll drift out a little bit, and you'll you'll have a, a great fantasy about the business, and you know you can get some serious thinking done. But inevitably, so many people get pulled back down to the ground level in the trenches, and really, the only way around it is to schedule one day per month. It could be on a weekend. You can go take a drive and just think about it. Just get some. Just get some quiet time with yourself, four hours a month, and think about the business from a really high level. Think about where it is now, where you want it to go, and how all the little pieces fit together and affect each other. Yes, and the key word is schedule, or I like to I, I like to use the word intentional. If you don't make decide, draw a line in the sand right now. If you don't decide, make a decision right now to make the time to zoom out it will never happen it's not going to happen on its own and you're just going to be a firefighter right you're constantly moving from issue to issue to issue to issue to issue Um, so 30 minutes a day one hour a month whatever it is you need to be um, living in some spending some time daydreaming about what your business is going to look like when you reach your goal and how to get there most guys ever only see this they just see the forest right what you should be saying is this. I hope this is resonating. This is a powerful, powerful truth, guys. Uh, let's keep moving along here, okay? You can't change your directive until you change your perspective. Step one is to get in the hot air balloon, right? Change your directive. Change. You can't change your business until you change your perspective. So, But let's be honest. This is super hard. This is not easy stuff. Um, Rome wasn't built in a day. So let me tell you this. My mom told me this, Chris, my whole life. Don't despise small beginnings. Uh, You had mentioned to me another time we talked that you think small beginnings are even better than big beginnings. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're crucial. I started my business with 96 bucks. And I'll tell you what, it would not have gotten to anywhere near what it did if I had started with five G's in my pocket. I, I wouldn't have cared much about it. I wouldn't have thought deeply about how every dollar is affected within the company by every action. It's it's crucial. It's really crucial to start small so you can really understand the mechanics of how the business works and how it functions. And if you start with a big chunk of money in your pocket, you tend to disregard things like that. You, you don't think on that detailed level. You need to be sweating it out for a little bit, barely making it, scratching to survive. Yeah, <laughs> that's the exact reason that trust fund kids lose all the money that their granddaddy built 
from nothing, right? Because he started with holes in his shoes on a dirt road in the Depression, built a billion-dollar empire, and then, you know, by the time his grandson comes along, he has no concept of anything and just... So the point is, is small beginnings, they're not, don't don't despise small beginnings, but more than that, embrace and, and enjoy the small beginning because that's, that's what's going to help you have success. Another thing is focus on what I call the MVS, <clears throat> the minimum viable system. You don't have to have some technical paper, 83 page long, you know, CAD drawing with, you know, documentation and appendixes and indexes. That's not what a system is. A minimum viable system is a couple sentences. Write a couple sentences about how to order toilet paper or whatever your version of that is in your business. Get it done. I, you know, I think I think two two really great minimum viable systems to start in your business, and they they can start pretty broad stroke. But think about um, if you weren't on site, how would you want that work accomplished by some other people that you've hired with some knowledge but limited? Jot that down. What do you want to do when they pull up? How do you want them to get there? How do you want them to introduce themselves to the customer? How do you want them to uh, write up the estimate? How do you want them to get started? Where do you want them to get started? What do they need to uh, ensure is 100% done before they they leave the property and collect the check? That's a great one. Um, now, with my businesses, because I can kind of – I know how to do that. Now, I start with marketing systems first. Like, What, what are the key marketing things that I need to do to, to make sure this thing is – uh, financially viable that I can I can get it a lot of work. Yeah, those are great ones. Phone scripting could be another one. Um, yeah, we had a three touch process for our crews. Like we had actual scripts that they used to engage the customer with when they got there, halfway through the job, and at the end of the job. And they could make it their own. There's some elasticity in it. They, they weren't robots, but there are certain things that they had to say. You know, for example, on our third touch, we would always say. Um, did we meet or exceed your expectations? And the moment that the customer said yes, we immediately, the crew leader would say, great, can you do me a favor? We're a small family company and we rely on referrals from people like you. Is there anyone you can think of that could use our services? And the reason we did that was because they just acknowledged that, they, that we exceeded their expectations. They said yes and we said, great, can you do me a favor? Boom, that's a psychological trigger. But it's a simple example of if you did that on every job all year long, what would that help your business or hurt your business, right? <laughs> and uh, obviously it would help your business. It would do wonderful things for your business. Oh, yeah. Powerful, powerful, powerful. It's Again, it's not the one big thing. It's all the little things all added up, right? It's the inches. The inches we need are everywhere around us. Uh, learn to grind. Don't despise the grind, guys. Dive in. I man, in my early twenties, I just I was trying. To, I joined some multi-level marketing things and was like trying to sell secret juice to like make make you live to be two hundred and like I, I was trying to figure out how to make a ton of money without working really hard. And I finally realized that doesn't exist. Let's talk about learning to grind. Now, grind just means working your butt off even though no one notices even though no one's there to motivate you it just means working long hours and late nights all by yourself towards a specific end goal so how do you do that how do you grind effectively well you surround yourself with like-minded people you can do that through a mastermind group or an accountability group facebook groups i know that the wcra chris you guys have uh private groups. I mean, doesn't that provide huge value to people who, you know, are serious about their business to be around other people who are serious about their business? 
Oh, yeah. Huge value. Huge value, especially in the groups that end up being private because, you know, for the most part, it costs a few bucks to get in there. And because of that, people really treat it seriously. You don't have a lot of the silliness that can uh, occur in a lot of the Facebook groups. It's really just a core group of guys that are looking to accomplish the same thing as you. And interacting with them a bit every day, bouncing ideas back and forth is invaluable. Yeah, I've heard it said recently, I, I honestly can't remember who quote, quoted this, but you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And so if your business is small... It's totally true. If your business is tiny and you want it to be big, and you're hanging out with you know cousin Mo, who can't get his life together, and, and Ernie, the guy who doesn't have a job, you're probably not going to go very far in your business. You need to connect with people who are already where you want to go, and then other people who really want to get there just as bad as you do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you should be the, uh, the ultimate goal. It should be uh, you, you being the least smart in the room. Yeah. Henry Ford said that he was successful not because he was smart, but because he surrounded himself with people smarter than him. And that's completely true. Like, you've, you've got to build a team of competent, qualified people and then have friends that are just... Your friends should blow your mind with how smart they are, right? Yeah, and the grind should continue every day. Every day you should be grinding on it, writing down what you want to get done, writing down what you did get done. I see uh, I see on Facebook every once in a while people screaming TGIF, and, and the real meaning of that should be uh, the grind includes Friday. <laughs> I've never heard that one. That's a new one for me, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let's check out this cool Chinese proverb. The best time to plant a tree is 100 years ago. The second best time is today, right now. You're watching a webinar. We're talking about the stuff. Transition this into actual action. Do something. Start with a minimum viable system. Identify the low-hanging fruit. Prioritize it by what you can pay to be done the cheapest, like Chris said. I mean, th- we've given you a lot so far. Let's keep moving forward. Let's talk about goals. Chris, you're a huge goal setter. We've talked about that and privately just with our businesses. Um, here's the thing about goals. You are in control, guys, of your goals, right? They're not in control of you. Goals are also elastic. So don't feel freaked out to make them just because you're not sure how it will turn out. You can change them, modify them, bend them, right? There's, they can change with time as you learn new information, as your business moves along. And you'll get better at creating realistic goals as you start doing goals, sometimes in the beginning, you honestly don't even know what to put for your goal. And I know, I know that feeling, but put something anyway. You should have long, mid-range, and short-term goals. You want to iterate and optimize your goals, and you want to be specific with your goals. Yeah. Uh, it, a great way to look at it, especially if you don't quite know what those goal, goals are yet, start with your personal life. What kind of personal life do you want to live? What, what do you want to be doing every day? What do you want to be doing every day 20 years from now? What do you want them to say about you at your funeral? Start there. Work yes. back and, and lay out the steps that you think will need to be taken to accomplish that. Yeah. I, I know some people that literally write their own eulogy. Like, they write out what they, in their mind, they hope that someone would read at their funeral. That sounds morbid. That sounds creepy. I get that. But there's there's an underlying truth there that's really powerful. And it's, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? What kind of lifestyle do you want to lead? I know, Chris, you put your daughter on the bus at school. You get to work from home. I'm working from home right now. 
I have my tiny one pound chihuahua next to me. My kids are out shopping with my wife, but the point is, is I can. This is awesome. I'm not gonna lie. This this lifestyle is awesome. It's preferable, and uh, yeah, you know, goals are an important part of getting there. You know, put, putting your kid on the bus seems like a small thing, but there's just something about it that seems really cool to me that I can choose to go into work or not go into work on any given day. And uh, I, I get to spend that little extra time with my kids. And 20 years from now, I'm going to really, really appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. Nobody lays in their deathbed, Chris, and says, oh, I wish back in 88 I would have done the in-ground pool instead of the above-ground pool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, my number one trick to actually getting the goals I want to get done accomplished is I, I write down five goals every morning when I wake up and I write down the same five goals at night just before I go to bed. I take one page per day, split it in half, write it in the morning, write it in the afternoon. And you know what? When you do that, they start happening. Yeah, that's a powerful thing. And people, I think they, they know that it would work, but they don't actually do it. Again, do this stuff. Take action. Be a man or woman of action. All right, guys. So let's talk about the boring nitty-gritty. Um, I'm going to go through this really fast, okay? If you have a pen and paper, write something down that grabs your attention. Um, but the purpose of these slides is to get the wheels turning for different things you could systemize and to help you get ideas. This is not a comprehensive list of everything you need to systemize in your business. Some of these might not even apply to your business. Some of them you just might not even like, right? That's fine. I'm just trying to help you get thinking the right way. So let's talk about the sales department first. I'm going to list out eight different you know, things you could do to systemize inside the sales department, okay? Let's go. List and define all the ways you currently get new customers. You need to list out and build a system specifically describing how do you make your phone ring uh, with new leads. Another one is define exactly how and when you ask for referrals, right? At each touch or interaction with the customer. In my experience, you need to ask for referrals like six to eight times to get one. Um, and sure, you could get some referrals now, but if you put a system in place asking for referrals five, six, seven times, you, you can't even imagine what that will do for your business. It's unbelievable. It's an easy one to start. Another one could be overcoming common objections before they're brought up using scripts. I, I think I do want to pause a little on this one because, Chris, you have so much experience with scripts. But how can someone build a system to help their team and themselves overcome common objections um, before they come up? Yeah, you know, when you're, when you're scripting out, your sales calls or you know inbound sales phone calls stuff like that you basically know what the five objections are going to be that people will tell you as to the reason why they can't book that appointment right now and if you know those you can come up with some pretty clever predefined answers to those you can consider them rebuttals. You don't want to do a hard sales technique, but it's good to have a very valid point objection for all the things you know they're going to say, and they say the same things over and over again. Yeah, the big one we always had was, okay, this sounds great. Uh, we'll call you after I talk to my husband, <laughs> right? That's probably the most common one. Right, so we had a specific – I'm just going to go into it. I'm going to do a sample overcoming an objection on the spot here. Um, when someone would say that to us, we would train our guys during our weekly meetings. Once in a while, we'd do what was called a hot seat, and we would throw this objection at crew leaders, and they would respond using a technique called ARP, A-R-P, Acknowledge, 
respond, and pivot. So I'm just going to do that off the cuff here. So a customer, Mrs. Smith, says, okay, well, this sounds really good, but you know, I need to talk to my husband first. And I, and I would say this. Oh, absolutely, Mrs. Smith. I totally understand. Um, a lot of our customers feel the same way at first. Um, what my professional recommendation would be is that we just pick a day right now just so you have it held. Uh, during this time of year, we're booked two to three or sometimes four weeks out. That way you'll at least have a day selected. And if you need to tweak the day after you talk to your husband, that's not an issue at all because then you'll have priority because you're already on the schedule. What works best for you, mornings or afternoons? Okay, that was my, my phone voice there doing my script that way overcoming my objection. But I want And you, you threw in the assumptive close at the end. That was yeah. great. <laughs> yep, I call that one a forced choice close because I basically, it was assumptive close, but more than that, it's forced choice because you give the customer two options that both of them work for you. You know, oh, what, how would you like to pay for your service today? Check or credit card? Either one's fine, right? That's a, yep. that's a forced choice close. Or what works best, mornings or afternoons or whatever. There's a whole bunch of them. But the point is this. Build out all the common objections. Build out a script like I just did there and make it your own and use the ARP technique. Acknowledge, hey, Mary, that's totally normal that you feel that way. You know, I understand. Respond. My recommendation as a professional is that we do it this way and then pivot into a forced choice close or, or something. So uh, hopefully that helps. I think that kind of stuff is huge um, in business. So hopefully that helps yeah. someone. Um, yeah, ours was extremely similar to that. The only difference was instead of the acknowledge phase, we called it the sympathize, sympathize phase. We sympathized with them. That's exactly right. It's the same thing. I mean, all this stuff is the same. The way to win, it's already been done. We're just, we can label it something new and call it something different. But guys, this stuff works. Empires have been built doing this. <laughs> Business empires. So... Another, uh, let's do the last five here. Define what sales data should be tracked and how it's going to be tracked, right? So make a system defining, okay, what's my average job? What's my uh, close rate? What is my upsell rate? What's my this? What's my that? Lay out how you sell stuff and determine based on your own opinion what you want to track and how it's going to be tracked. Are you going to use a Google spreadsheet? Are you going to use an iPad? Are you going to use some sort of paper document that they fill out each day? Any of those are fine. You just need to define the way that it's going to work. Okay, so let's see. Uh, create simple packages for your service based on common requests to simplify pricing. Define how daily data should flow inside your business and what data should be collected. So we're still in the sales department. How does data flow inside your business? When your crew does a job, how does all the stuff that they learned and saw at that property, how does that get back to your office and inside a CRM or inside something so that you have it for next time? Like That needs to be thought through for your business. Document your entire pricing structure for all of your service. And, and again, keep that 15-year-old zit-faced kid in mind, right? Make it simple. I mean, some things are a little more complex with pricing by square foot and carpet and chemicals and job costs and big jobs. I get that. But start with your simple pricing and then move towards your more complex. But document it. Make a chart. Make a document. Create something where it's laid out so that you can get it off your plate. So... 
create your exact estimate process, including your intro, how you gather data, your pitch, all that stuff. All that stuff should be predefined. So there's some ideas. There's eight ideas for the sales department, okay? Now we're going to do eight quick ideas, and I'm going to roll quick. So you guys write this down if something catches your, your ear. Uh, for the service department, you could define exactly how each team member should identify and document all future opportunities, okay? In my business, we literally had a spot in the work log, the future ops like column and we had initials and abbreviations for every single service we offered and they would put down in there you know if they needed this service or that service or that any valid opportunity something that the customer actually needed got documented at that point and captured so that later we could circle back and go sell that to that person we would also you need to define exactly how team members should attempt to upsell a customer right how do they do it when do they do it what do they say all that stuff write it out you could do that in 15 minutes. Create a script for your initial, um, <clears throat> excuse me, create a script for your initial customer touch when you arrived to their home to do the work, right? If you want to be a Big Mac, if you want to have a consistent product, when you get to their house, what does every single crew leader say every single time that makes your company unique and compelling, right? Write that script out. Make it your own. Create a script for a midpoint touch during the job to answer questions and to build value. You know, maybe when you're halfway done, you you say something that makes your company unique and stand out. Okay, let's do the last four inside the service department. Define your final touch. So when you're leaving a job, what do you say to the customer? What needs to happen to get paid and to make sure you get a referral and to make sure that they're satisfied and make sure that quality control measures are in place, right? All those should be elements of that final touch. Um, Build a quality control system to guarantee a job is never left without total completion. Define exactly how and when your staff should uh, initiate a direct referral ask from the customer. So how how do you do that? Make it your own. Define an actual methodology and process for completing each service you offer. So Chris touched on that earlier. Write out how to perform the technical side of the work. You know, when you get to a house, do you go top to bottom, left to right? Do you start in the second floor, go to the first store? Do you take out the screens first? Do you move the furniture first? However that works for you, whatever that looks like, put it down out of your brain into a mind map, into a convert it to text, polish and formalize it into paragraphs, and then deploy it to your team. Boom. That's how you roll. So let's talk about operations, the boring nitty gritty. We're almost done with the boring part. Um, although this is like critical, <laughs> um, create a simple way to gather all data from the previous day and where to put it. Okay, simple. Do you have a work log? Make one. Create a 12-month budget projecting your expenses as a percentage of total revenue. Okay, we're going to talk about more of that, about that in re- webinar part two. Create and uh, uh, keep an updated company asset list, including a current day fair market value. Do you have a document with all the stuff you own? Your iPads, your cell phones, your equipment, your hoses, your pressure cleaner, your vans, your trucks, your computers. Have all that stuff documented somewhere to stay organized. Create a simple system defining how and when supplies are ordered inside your business. We talked about that with the toilet paper. Create and secure a master passwords list for every application and account that you have. Oh, this can be huge. I use that's a no-brainer. They they have so many softwares now that make that very simple for you. I use one password. You need to have it. Yeah, non-negotiable. I use one password also. I have probably a couple hundred passwords. You, you have more than you think. Put them in a, in a secure master repository so that when you move on to the next role inside your business, that the person taking your spot can still do their job. Right? It's not chaos. 
create an, uh, your own customer lifecycle document to understand your client's experience. So I, I actually created a, a whole flowchart for exactly what it was like to be a customer of ours. You know, what, it, what did it smell like, look like, feel like? What was it like to be introduced to our company? How did we talk to them on the phone? How did we sell them? How did we schedule their appointment? How is it unique at every single point along the way? You need to architecture out, you know, what does that look like for you, right? Uh, define the exact process for finding and interviewing new potential crew members. This is an interesting one too. Um, how do you get new people? Do you just hope a nice guy comes and wants to work for you? Do you recruit people or do you just post stuff on Craigslist and take the the best out of the worst? <laughs> you you have to be constantly hiring even if you don't have a position open. You, you need to be collecting applications on a regular basis. Have a sign out front, help wanted. Run regular Craigslist ads, collect applications, make an online form. There should be no reason you shouldn't have a stack of 200 prospective people that you can call on when the moment arises. And you never know in a service business when staff is going to drop off. People just disappear and yeah. you want you know a pre, preset list of people that you can draw on pretty quickly. Totally agree. We actually got to the point because when you start to get bigger, it, this is a more of a pain point. The bigger you get, the more this hurts and more it needs to be addressed. But um, we just we were just having issues, man. I mean, we could not find quality people and keep them long enough to really get get some momentum. And so we started actually recruiting employees. Every person that worked for our company had a special card that said, you know. You look like the type of person we would love to work with. You know, please apply for this job at this amazing family company, blah, 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 blah. And these cards were like thick card stock, just awesome quality. They looked amazing. And when we were out and about living our lives, eating dinner, going to the gas station, going to the movie theater, if we saw someone, a young person who just had over-the-top awesome service, we would pass out these cards to people. And so we were constantly developing you know, a Rolodex of potential people to work for us. And that's a great little tidbit. You mentioned something just previously, and you mentioned it very quickly, and I think it's extremely important. So I just wanted to touch back on it, reiterate, and state that I think it's really important. When you're on a job site, collect as much information about other services as you can do in the future. If you're a window cleaner, figure out what would it cost to clean their skylights next time? What's it going to cost to power wash their house, clean their driveway, do their pavers? Have that in a repository. You, you glazed over that, but I think it's tremendously important because there's so many things you could do with that data in the future, so many campaigns that can be sent to them in follow-ups. Yeah, it is really important, and it was a major focus for us. The future opportunities, that phrase was used in our office all the time. I mean, that was a system we had that didn't just touch our crews, right, who are the tip of the spear. They're at the customer's home. They would identify future opportunities. That was step one, and they would document them. Step two was they would tell the homeowner about the future opportunity without selling it to them. They would just say, Ma'am, I noticed blank, I recommend blank. That was our formula. I noticed blank, I recommend blank. So they would say, you know, Mrs. Smith, you know, I noticed that your gutters were extremely clogged. I would recommend you have those cleaned because that can cause a lot of damage. Boom. They just did their job. Then we'd get the work log back. Our office manager would take the future opportunity baton and make sure that from the work log it got into the CRM and all the fields were updated right with the right future opportunities. Then our sales manager, boom, now we went from service to operations back into the sales department. Our sales manager on a rolling basis would pull a report of all the future opportunities and then do an outbound phone call. Hey, Mrs. Smith, Robert left me a note from your job the other day 
that your gutters were really bad, we do do that service. Is that something you were planning on taking care of yourself? Or I just wanted to follow up with that. Boom. Huge power bomb. I mean, unbelievably targeted, non-pressure. And it was a service they actually needed. They're aware they need it. But we did it in a roundabout way. So, yeah, that's huge. I mean, we could talk for seven days about all the cool stuff in our businesses. It's hard to pack it into an hour webinar, right? Hey, thanks for hanging out, friends. And from all of us here at the Quick Talk Podcast team, we hope you love today's show. We hope that you were inspired to become a doer and not just a listener. Apply what you've heard today in your own business and watch things change for the better. Lastly, remember that all the money in the world can't save your soul. Seek first the kingdom of God, my friends. We'll see you next time. For more information about the Quick Talk Podcast or Joshua's other businesses, visit our website, quicktalkpodcast.com. Have a blessed day.